Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Do you like that sultry tone I have? I do. You do? You do? So good. Hey everyone, this is Liza, Um, and it is hot. It is hot out here. spicy. So sultry. Yeah, we were just eating popsicles out in the garage. Another good day. I love it when everyone shows up. Um, let's get to who is with us here. Um, the usual misfits are all out doing other stuff, but you know what? Doing That's okay. Things. Because we got stunt misfits oh. to fill in. They've been here before. They know the drill. I can count on them. Uh, joining me on the Classy Girl Couch tonight, it's Craig. Good evening, everyone. Hey, Craig. Um you got some stuff done on your bike today. I did. I did. Yeah. So I was working on a Husqvarna FE501, got a new graphics kit, some new yes. plastics, had to mount up some new taillights and the whole graphics kit. And then I had a weird thing happening with the kill switch that the previous owner did. It was off a CRF 450 and it was shorting out and cutting out power to the motor right as I was would be riding it in the dirt on the trail and it would just shut off a little disconcerting and so I mounted up the stock one and now it's riding beautifully nice it looks good too also joining us it's Patrick hello hello hey how's it going and you're gonna be here next week too because Uh, you've got tales to tell many many tales all through the Alps yeah so Emma's not able to be here because she popped an eyeball or something. She uh, <laughs> split a seam or something, right? Um, yeah, she, you know, what is it? She, her retina. She detached her something, retina. Something separated. Yeah. I had to look it yeah. up. I had to look it up yeah. and see where the retina is. It's the back of the eyeball, and sometimes it just kind of comes, Breaks off. separates, Breaks off. Breaks off. She's okay. She but- some nice little laser surgery, and uh, she'll, she's going to be fine um, but she's just taking it easy in too much meantime. italian altitude <laughs> something like that or as i or say german beer one of the two <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. or as i say once you get old things just start to fall apart <laughs> um but you'll be back next week to to tell us about that and then also joining us everybody's favorite ginger it's bagel and that would be bagel talking except i believe he's frozen up right now <laughs> Bagel with a bad Wi-Fi. Frozen bagel. Hello. There he is. Yeah, I think you need to stand in the corner and... I think you need to hold a coat hanger up to a light bulb and see if you can get better reception. So, you said that you put a... I've got the coat hanger up on the roof already. Well, um, Craig, you said you put a graphics kit on. I did. And, you know, that's something I did this week, too. I um, Just looking at my SMT that I've had for years, my 990 KTM, it's white and black. And I just said, it could be better. And I, I don't know why I haven't thought of this, but I looked up 990 SMT graphics kit. I found a really sweet one uh, nice. somewhere in Europe. Nice. I don't know. I had to pay in, like, a centavos or euros or some, <laughs> I don't know what it was. Some conversion. Uh, yeah. And, um, but they're more popular over there. And it's like, you know, I put a, a, a graphics kit on one of the KLRs and also on my 690 Enduro and I love it. I don't know why I didn't think of that more often. I think for a lot of people, 
if you have a standard stock bike, whatever kind it is, I highly recommend just Googling your bike and then graphics kit. Well, and that's that's not a bad option because you get these bikes out of the factory and it's like, oh, I don't really like the way this looks. But if you go to the graphics kit, you get more options to choose from. That are already cut up. In fact, Bagel, I looked up Vespa graphics kits. There's some really cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, and we lost him again. Oh, he's back. (laughs) Um, For the Vespa stuff, I found one that's like, you know, the Herbie the Love Bug stripes. Nice. And I'm like, that's nice. So, yeah, um, I highly recommend checking them out. And they're pretty easy to install. And then if you don't like it, you can take it up. It's a lot easier than painting. Yeah, I researched it quite a bit and looked at what it would take to install. It's a little tricky. You need some heat and uh, but not as well. yes, but not as hard as one would think. I had them install it from the place in Australia where I got it called mm. Rival Inc. And they did a pretty good job. I was able to design it with them. We went back and forth on the designs. Um, had them do some of my company's logos with some kind of Husqvarna graphics. So it was it was kind of a collaboration where I designed, we shot some designs back and forth. And I enjoyed the process. And it didn't really take too long, even though it had to come across a couple oceans as well. So, And that's the other thing. A lot of them offer sometimes for no more money or for like 10 bucks that you can do customized. Oh, that was me. Oh, Bagel says he's going to reboot his router. Okay, Bagel. Um, yeah, you can customize, add your logos and stuff. That's where I kind of start to fall apart. I'm like, oh, I just want to see what you've already designed. Because usually it's just something really nice. It says like KTM and cool font or something, you know? Right. Well, I didn't want to full my logo everything because then I'd probably have to switch it out if I ever wanted to sell it. But I kind of wanted just some subtle little hints with the main mm-hmm. design. So it was, it was I, I was really happy with it. With Yeah, it is cool. Um, yeah, and for KLRs, they're pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so. yeah, I I want to see, I want to start looking, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to deep dive now, start looking at all my bikes and going, graphics kit, oh, shoot, I need that. <laughs> I'm really excited to see it on the SMT because I think that amongst the bikes that you've seen, that needs it really bad with that p- pure white. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a blank canvas. It's almost like they designed it for to for you to add graphics. Yeah. Well, and I did another thing this week, um, which, uh, you know what? It's good to have friends in your life who support stupid decisions. Because some of, some of these are good, stupid decisions. So um, I mentioned how I bought the Benelli TNT 135 from Phil just to mm-hmm. use at Vintage Days. And it was great. And he put big block tires on it. Fun, fun bike. But I thought, you know what would make it more fun? Is a sidecar. Yes. And I was like, I wonder if they exist. And then I found it. I mentioned last week, I found a company that makes sidecar rigs for like Groms. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to them. I'm like, do you do it for this bike? And then, no, we need to have the bike here. But we could custom make mounts for it if we have the bike here. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in California. The bike's in Ohio. You're in Virginia. Well, guess what? Listener Matt sent me an email and he said, hey, I got family in Ohio and I live in Virginia. I go back and forth all the time. I'd be more than happy to transport your bike for you. Nice. I'm like, oh, shit. It's hard to say no now. Nice. So I made a call. It's going to happen. 
They're waiting for the bite. <laughs> that's a beautiful so they can thing. Make, I mean, that's an enabler. That's an enabler mm. right now of good, bad ideas. Well, don't tempt you with a good time, and now you have it. <laughs> I know. Well, the cost of the sidecar is almost almost what the whole bike cost. <laughs> but you know what? It did get me thinking about sidecars in general, and then I'm like, oh, I want to put a sidecar on a KLR. Do it. That just, would be just make fun, it happen, right? There's like, oh wait, because. I don't know. I've always been a, yeah, I tried it once. I know how bad a sidecar is. I'm good. I don't need to go down that road. But if you think about the type of bikes that are getting sidecars, um, they're either like big touring bikes or they're vintage bikes that are only good for so much. But a mini bike or a, you know, adventure bike, now we're talking a completely different game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You can change the whole game, where you can go, what you can bring with you. Um, now it becomes a fun challenge as opposed to just, uh, I mean, yeah, if you need, if you have a dog or a child you want to carry around, great. Sidecars are great. But um, otherwise I'm like, no, if you've ever, have you ever, you guys ever tried to ride one? I've, I've never ridden with one. I've, I've heard the horror won. stories though. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, they're it's horrible. a totally different they, experience. Oh yeah. yeah. It doesn't perform at all yeah. like you want it to. But it then takes again, all the it, fun stuff away. Does a KLR ever really perform? Well, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, great, great. You answered <laughs> you really, your own question. Are you really losing anything in having a sidecar Well, then I'm like, <laughs> oh, take the KLR and a sidecar on the trails at Hollister Hills. Oh, yeah. See, that would turn some or on, the, or on the TT track. <laughs> like, now we're having fun. Anyway, so yeah, thanks, Matt, for um, <laughs> supporting me on that bad idea. Uh, I don't know when this is going to happen, but I'm looking forward to seeing it because I won't get to ride it till next year. But um, yeah, if you're interested in checking out these sidecar rigs, it's a company called Industrial Moto, and they make them for the Grom, the, the Z125, and even the... There's another bike... Uh, no, I forget what it is, but the, basically, if if you bring it to them, they'll they'll make it. And they're um, not like a passenger type sidecar. It's more like a rig for carrying anything, you know. Gotcha. Well, it's perfect for an adventure bike at that point. Yeah, it's just it's luggage now. Yeah, you can More put a cooler and an axe now. in there, or your dog, <laughs> or a seat. And I've ordered the option to have a bench seat and and oh shit bars, flamethrower. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, I like the way you think. Yeah. Exactly. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is, um, are you guys, uh, is anyone following at all what's going on in New York with motorcycles? I, I've heard some things about this. And, I've and seen some videos as just, well. I heard this big story where they, they had the bikes and it was all these people riding illegal bikes and they were popping wheelies to the street and the city and everything and they they just they impounded everything and they didn't they found out they were a lot of stolen bikes and rather than return them to the owners they just said mm-hmm. screw it we're just going to destroy everything yeah. they just destroyed everything oh, they're just to bulldozing. get them off the street well it's not just that they're putting it on the news it's going all over social media yeah. they're yeah. making it an example yeah exactly so uh, i've been following this too and and we were having this conversation in the garage today. I mean that's where a lot of the podcast is, is the conversations we have in the garage. And um, I was they've been having um, checkpoints, motorcycle only checkpoints, 
and they'll put them in places that you can't divert off, like on a freeway overpass um, where, you know, you're going from one freeway to the next, like a two-lane thing, and they basically you can't get off the freeway and they're pulling over all motorcycles, scooters, anyone, regardless like of what they've seen you do. Then they're checking your license and registration. And thinking, I think this is illegal, isn't it? I mean, isn't that profiling? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it illegal? Is it, it's the whole like guilty till proven innocent, you know, kind of concept where it's like, just because you're riding a motorcycle, now we're just assuming you're doing something wrong. And well, it's like, but that's not the case in some cases. Like, if you're on the highway running a motorcycle, like, I don't know, let's say 50% of the people are probably licensed, the other 50% are not. But well, if you're not doing anything over the limit, you're not breaking the law, why are you being stopped to do this? Well, and here's the thing. We know that uh, a few years ago they had that um, club of bikes who were on the freeway and they, they got in it a thing with that guy in a Range Rover pulled him out and beat him up in front of his family. Right. We know that there's a lot of uh, squids, stunters. Right. We know that there's like the 12 o'clock boys uh, who are um, taking dirt bikes and just riding crazy through the streets. Um, and then we also know that there's now all these new electric like scooter things that qualify as a moped, but they do like 65 miles an hour and nobody knows what to do with them, right? right. Um, so on the one hand, I understand the police kind of they're ha- presented with this huge problem where they need to try and get a lot of these illegal riders off the streets. On the other hand, that is profiling. I, I and, don't know that it's... On, on the other hand, there's so a lot everybody's of legal, getting pulled over. There's a lot of legal riders on the road who have done... They've checked all the boxes like, I've, I've gotten the license, I've done everything correctly. Why am I being stopped again? Oh, and I, then when there, they'll get you for like, you know, your helmet is not... DOT or something, 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 you know? Right. Or right. you've got to turn signal out, whatever. They can get you for whatever. Right. They're not supposed to pull you over and just check. I mean, we've had this, like, border patrol. It's not supposed to pull people or just... I mean, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'll am i be honest. I'm on the fence about it. I, I understand why they need to do it. On the other hand, I don't think it's legal. But I'd be curious to know from more people out there if uh, what they think and if there's anyone in the New York area who's experienced some of this. I have a friend of mine who's a legal writer who's also an advocate for writers um, who got pulled over on her triumph the other day and was posting the whole thing, the whole and asking the cop, why did you pull me over? This is not right. And then he's flagging more bikers over who weren't doing anything wrong. So... I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how this plays out and and if this spreads across the country. I guess. I really hope not. Like, well, you know, because it it, it just becomes more of a deterrent to riding a bike. Like, on, honestly, it would be kind of fascinating if somebody was documenting this whole thing right mm-hmm. now. In fact, I can think of a perfect title for it: motorcycle wars. <laughs> oh wait that name might be taken (laughs) in fact that's our segue into our next segment uh joining us is executive producer jerry deluca hey jerry how are you 
Hey, doing really well. Uh, hey. Can you hear me clearly? Yeah, I can hear you good. So just so you know, uh, hey, I'm Liza. You got me here. And then there's a t- couple more voices. Uh, you got Patrick over here. Hey, how's it going? Who the camera might spin to or not. And, uh, Hi, Patrick. And then you also got Craig here on the couch. Hey, good evening, Jerry. And then we good got evening, Craig. Tom, also known as Bagel, who will be zooming in with us, but who has bad internet. So he'll be coming and going. Um, Jerry... You yes. you already have the name Motorcycle Wars. Indeed, I do. And yeah, and it's it, it's uh, branded in North America, so you can't take it. it. I'm sorry, Liza. Dang it! <laughs> that would have been so great. Um, and where are you out of, Jerry? I am in Toronto, Canada. So you don't know anything about what's going on in New York and all these uh, checkpoints and illegal r- well, riders. That's interesting that you bring it up. I was in Manhattan about three weeks ago and uh i caught a last bit of what you guys were talking about um i saw a lot of um electric bicycles slash motorcycles and there were there were a lot of a lot of people not really following the laws as Mm. i would expect uh, I don't know if that's what you guys were referencing, but that, that's, uh, that is part of it. Um, there's uh, a company that I've kind of been following called Fly E-Bikes, and they sell moped. They're called moped scooters, even though it might look like a, a Ninja 250, but it's electric, or right. a Grom knockoff, but it's electric, or a scooter. It looks like a Vespa, but it's electric. And some of them say off-road. Some of them say street legal. I haven't looked into it enough. I'm assuming... Off-road means it doesn't have all the legal lights and that street legal means that it qualifies as a moped, but people are riding them all over New York with no helmets, riding on the sidewalk or the crosswalk or anywhere they want or on the streets. And some of these will do like 60 miles an hour. And so that's creating a whole new problem. But you know what? Uh, We're going to keep following that. But I want to know more about your motorcycle wars because this is a completely different concept. And and I believe you've been working on this concept a good while, haven't you? Yes, indeed, I have, Liza. Uh, it's been an evolution for the better part, and I'm not embarrassed to say it, <laughs> better part of 15 years. Um, I, I've got a passion for motorcycles. And what really caught me was uh, the, the misfits part of your uh, your title, Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel I'm a bit of, I've described myself as a bit of a wing nut just because of my tenacity towards certain ideas, right? You, you got to develop it and it takes a long time. You got to work with a lot of people to get things off the ground. Anytime you got a big plan, you need a lot of people to help you. So uh, Motorcycle Wars started out actually, uh, the name was in 2011, it was called uh, Ultimate Cafe Rider. Oh, and mm. yeah. So if you mm. can imagine super bikes, sport bikes, uh, they all came from the cafe racing mm-hmm. days after that's the right. wars. Right. So uh, it is now termed motorcycle wars because that's a, a term more associated with uh, competition for television. Uh, so it's, it's currently the, the next poster that's coming out is called blood, sweat, tears, the mm. underdog pressure test. Ooh. So the the premise of the show is um, uh, amateurs racing against each other mm-hmm. and pros racing against each other, right? It wouldn't be fair to anyone really to have them all compete at the same time against each other because, I mean, amateurs, maybe they have a race license for a year or two. 
they're they're not at the export mm-hmm. le- expert level yet. And the pros, well, uh, they're uh, they're in their own class with uh, you know years under their belts of racing, equipment development, a lot of learning. Uh, so we have the amateurs go against themselves, and then the pros go against themselves. But at the end, for uh, a wonderful contrast, we do put the amateur up against the pro. So the pro mm. champion goes up against the pro amateur and then negotiate some form of a handicap that makes sense for each other. Ah, there it is. You see mm. what you get. The the critical element, though, of the story, that's, that's the motorcycle racing. Yeah. That's the event itself. But what my job is, is I need to pull out the stories of these people. Um, uh, uh, one of Canada's top racers once told me um, at a, a motorcycle show that I was at a few years ago, he said, motorcycle people are great people and that was his line and it it absolutely hit home i've been a motorcycle person since i was 10 years old my first bike was a honda mini trail yeah that's the the gateway for so many of us that's it and um yeah i i've been taking these things apart reassembling them trying to make them look showroom uh ever since and uh, so I've never raced, but I love racing. I would, mm-hmm. um, G- the GTA, the general Toronto area, the greater Toronto area is kind of in the center of three local racetracks. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, mm-hmm. as a, a teenager, I would drive, as soon as I got my license, I would be able to drive to these places and just watch the, uh, the activities and never found the, uh, the oomph to, to actually race, yeah. but I do love it. And I love racing bikes. Uh, like the racing machine itself. So, and let's get a little deeper into this. When you're saying racing, we're talking about track racing? Yes. And is this on large track or small track? Great question. Um, because I'm shooting this, mm-hmm. I design my event a little bit different because a three-kilometer track doesn't lend itself to produce a television show very right. well. So I said, you know what? This is what we should do. Let's run our own event. Let's call it uh, an all-star event. You bring grassroots racers, regional guys, and national guys, and shorten the racetrack so I can I can get them. It's not a focus so much on their racing. It's a focus on their storytelling. So we made the track maybe a kilometer long. It's got to have a few turns. It's it's much like drag. I found myself describing this racing uh, uh, thing more like drag racing with turns mm-hmm. for motorcycles, and it's only and it's short, so it's instant gratification for the audience. They can watch maybe twenty races a day mm-hmm. in one day, uh, as opposed to you know three or four of the same class. Uh, so drag racing with turns, uh, short racing. Uh, it's done. Next race up. And and how many laps? Three laps. Right. So it's a short race on a short That's track. Right. And we were just talking about um, somebody was saying that our friend uh, Jason JP Hans was racing at the go kart track recently on pit bikes, and he, and he and this cool. nine year old kid kept going back and forth, winning the races. And it's like there's a great equalizer yeah. riding small small bike small track. Yes. Yeah. So good point. Uh, we're on legal size tracks. These are full tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, most tracks have at least three different configurations. Yeah. A- and much like what you said, some of them are arranged for go-kart racing. So we use the go-kart sized track. Right. Oh, those are fun. 
there. Yeah. You yeah. can still get some good. I mean, it's really technical. It, it, it's a lot of technique and uh, Correct. less of the bike like on the straightaway being able to take off. I mean, I mean, yeah, the bike is always a part of it, but it becomes very technical riding style. Very good point, Liza. Uh, part of the development of this, I, I had the racers actually make sure that it worked for them. So you, you talked about the straightaways. Mm -hmm. These bikes have like 190, 200 horsepower. So you got to let them go. Mm -hmm. So any configuration that works for a lengthy straight. So most straights that we use have at least a 500 meter uh, race or sorry, a, a straight length, at least 500, 800 would be ideal because that's kind of the equalizer when it comes to horsepower. These guys can bring a 600 or a, a full liter bike out to race and the 600 will do really well in the, in the technical tracks, oh, right? Yeah. But as soon as you get the length of the straightaway, that's where the horsepower comes in. So we kind of balance it out, uh, best configuration. The other thing I love about a lot of the amateur race, and we're always telling people, like, go out to the armor races. They're just as much fun because you get all sorts of characters, but yeah. more so there's more of a community, and it's open to anyone. Like, just walking around the pits, and, and especially if you're ever there, like, at night and hanging out, people are sharing and helping each other. And it's a really oh, yeah. cool, cool community thing happening. The Southern Ontario Association of Racers, uh, SOAR, uh, really good guy that runs it. Um, they're uh, at a, the regional level. They're just before the nationals. Now, the nationals also compete with the, these guys. But um, Ken, who's a, a super sweetheart, it's just like you said, Lisa, Liza. It's, it's such a family base. They have mm -hmm. every weekend they have barbecues uh, they usually race every other weekend sorry and um yeah it's such a family environment and huge i couldn't do this uh, it's such a huge part of the success of what i'm doing is how these guys want to help me yeah uh, every soul on the in, in in this group of racers has uh they see the value of what i'm trying to do right it gives them exposure it gets people in the benches to to watch them race and that's good for the sponsors and you know a lovely chain reaction of events to get the sport off the ground a little bit uh in, in southern ontario it's been kind of suffering since the late 80s um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't do it with such nice people, uh, that are, that are, that are helping me out. Well, the, one of the things I'm most excited about is the more exposure uh, on TV and, and, in media for motorcycling, the more people who are introduced to it and the more people who grow up getting into it. Look how many people chips brought into riding, right? Just something oh, like that's that. That's me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, so we're yeah. always for any kind of TV show that's coming out. So first question is, so where are you in the process? This hasn't been shot yet, has it? Uh, yes, it has. It I has. shot a pilot. I shot a pilot. And uh, yeah, I was telling you, I'm a bit of a misfit, yeah. kind of a wing nut. I, um, I did the whole thing alone. Yeah. Now, I, wow. I hired all the camera people. Uh, but I found that 50% of the cost of doing this is setting up the event. So I set up mm -hmm. the event. There were 75 people there that I made sure was, were all in roll. That's not including the riders. And this is, we shot it in 2015, I think it was. And, uh, yeah, and it, we, we shot 12, 12 guys racing and it went through an el elimination process. 
we we did it much like I just described: three laps, uh, two guys. It, it's a one one against one, right? One head to head, short road circuit races, and uh, yeah, we had twelve cameras there, uh, including GoPros and a drone, and it was kind of like. There was a bit of a plan. The one thing I did not plan for is the interviews and capturing the story of the riders. I shot the event and it was done. I have to say it was done very well. Uh, lots of room for improvement. You got to keep uh, iterating to to uh, advance what you're doing. Um, but uh, I didn't capture the story. And that's the one thing that's missing in my presentation. And that's what I'm about to capture. And I know how to do it now. I've got quality directors. And I did edit it myself. 50% of the wow. cost, I was going to tell you, was the uh, the the editing. Well, I quickly learned how to use Final Cut Pro. Oh, and uh, it was a lot of work. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was almost uh, 14 months of editing because yeah. uh, I started wow. from scratch. But it was a lot of fun, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's what I like to do. It's one of my... Uh, um, uh, I guess uh, ways to get out of stress, just sit back behind the computer for a couple of hours and, and uh, have at her. Right. It's, well, it's fun. What I love is that you just kind of, rather than trying to, you know, to, to make a TV show, a lot of things have to come in play. It's a lot mm -hmm. of connections, the right people, finding yeah. the money, doing all the things. And you just kind of seized it and just took control and are making it happen. I love that about you. In fact, mm -hmm. I, uh, I wanted to, if we can take this opportunity, I yeah. asked everyone to come up with their own elevator pitch for a show. We would oh. like to pitch to you, and then oh. I want you to pick who had the best pitch, the best idea. Okay. I have I have to tell you, I've practiced this. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had to practice it, and you are so right. The if I could just start yeah. this little game out by telling you, um, it is really the first 10 seconds. If mm -hmm. you capture the person in 10 seconds by something interesting, something compelling, uh, then you'll have them for a minute, right? Yeah. So it's critical, the first 10, 15 seconds. All right. Anyway. Does anyone yeah. want to go first? <laughs> Patrick, you want to do it? Oh, you know, you know, I'll, I'll just jump in and do just it. Come on, just do it's, it. You got a good one. You got a good one. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous okay, though. But like, pitch it. Kill the unkillable KLR. Like, I want you to go from like Toronto to Montana to Vancouver, all the way, all the way up to Alaska on the KLR. But I, I don't want you to just do it like anybody out there. Like, get the random guy who's like, I've got a KLR in my garage, but get the professional mechanic who's like, I can fix anything in the world. Take it all the way out there and don't do it on the highways. Do it on the back roads and the cross country. So is and this is this a competition? It's I between think the rider to kill it and the mechanic to keep it alive. It's, it's more so who can who can keep it alive through the absolute worst situations. Oh, and even even if the mechanic, you know, he's got all the the knowledge but none of the resources to do it. Oh, and then the guy who's like the home shop mechanic who's like. Oh, I've been riding one of these things for the rest of my life. A couple matchsticks and some chewing gum. Absolutely. And then when you when you send them out, like you've got some JB Weld, some duct tape, and the toolkit and the KLR. Can well, you can, can, can you keep this bike alive all the way to Alaska? Can the mechanic be like a MotoGP mechanic who thinks he knows everything about? Absolutely. It? That would be absolutely awesome. here. Take take the professional MotoGP mechanic versus the home shop mechanic. 
who's been working on this bike for the last three or four years. Kill the KLR. Kill the KLR. Can can you kill the? Well, can it's not only can you can you keep it alive, but more the competitions. Can you kill it? Yeah. Can you absolutely can you? kill a KLR? Can you kill a KLR? That is yeah. that so is the, the question. Title? What's the title kill, of that show? Kill the unkillable KLR. I like it. Ooh, <laughs> it's wow. there's a lot of questions there. I'm concerned, Ooh. but it sounds interesting. <laughs> okay, uh, Craig. Okay, so what I have monster bike build off but previous there's been many many shows with um bike builds this is different this is to create the most unbelievable creature out of your motorcycle so you turn it into whatever flying robot insect or deep dark creature that lives in the depths of your psyche and you apply that to the machine so it's eight weeks and uh, I'm not sure what the budget would be. Maybe you could set a budget um, very low or high or anywhere in between and see what everyone comes out with. Oh, every week. So you'd have teams. You'd have teams. You could do teams. You could do yeah. solo category. Actually, it'd be cool if you had different categories. So you have the hmm. solo, you have the three, four woman, man teams or... Um. Yeah, and then just see what what creatures emerge from the depths. All right. So now, it's like now, an art do you, do you limit it to a specific style of bike? That is a great question. What do you guys think? I, I think, say no. Whatever, whatever happens, happens. That could that's be any bike. It's yeah, unpredictable. Yeah. So you don't limit it to a model. You don't limit it to a style. It's it's kind of like open. Uh, I would suggest that you have each week as a different bike because you can get bike sponsorships. So it might be Tiger 850. Everyone's working with one year and a certain budget or one week. Uh, and then the next week it might be the Rebel 300. Or a GSXR. Yeah. Or, or oh. a Gixxer or a Harley. I like that. I like that. So everyone's I think working with need... the same platform. Well, what can they build from that? Yeah. Liza's thinking correctly because that's how you attract your brand partners. Yeah. Right? You focus on a brand right. for each show. And what's there it called again? Monster bike build off. Monster bike build off. All right, bagel. Cool. Do you have a have a elevator pitch? Right. <clears throat> I have a uh, a pitch that I would like to give for what I call the electric scooter shootout. Ooh. And this is an electric electric scooter elimination reality TV show. You start with sixteen different electric scooters and riders. And each day, riders score points for their overall time. So who gets the best time gets the most points. But times are subject to a handicap determined by the overall power consumption. So you can get a faster bike, but that's going to cost you on your your time score. So you've got to pick your bike well and and figure out the best best way to, to win the most points. And any miles that are not ridden for the day are subtracted from the day's score. Anyone who has a DNF loses all points for the day. The rider with the lowest score at the end of each day is eliminated. And distances get longer from day to day. And riders have to navigate the most efficient path to their destination each day, including planning out charging stations. And they have to also plan for maintenance, repairs, unexpected fixes. So this is a a cannonball-style electric scooter challenge. Um, Doing this on, on underpowered bikes through unfamiliar roads trying to find charging stations, I think <laughs> would be an incredible challenge and would probably make for some very interesting TV. And it's also something that brands can get into because there's going to be all different scooters. 
And it's also new technology. So people are going to be interested in seeing how does this work? Mm-hmm. What kind of problems do they have? I think it's something that would be be, be pretty gripping for people to watch. Nice. And what's that Sounds called again? Te- technical. What's it called again, Bagel? <laughs> the electric scooter shootout. All right. Well, I might shock you guys with my suggestion. Uh, mine is called the Recycle Garage. Uh, Jerry, if you did not know, we actually run the Recycle Garage every Sunday here. It's a co-op garage space where people come over to work on their bikes. Some of them know how to work on their bikes and just need a little bit of help or access to the tools. Some of them know nothing about their bikes and come here to learn And they are empowered by being taught how to use tools. In many cases, that gives them a lot of confidence to do more things in life. And it's amazing how many people were able to help uh, just maintain and fix their bikes. But also beyond that, we're giving them free gear. We are taking them out to the races or showing them the right movies and mentoring them in everything motorcycling. I think that with a lot of the motorcycle reality shows, it was uh, showing like families fighting and that drama. But there's another side to motorcycles that a lot of people experience when they have the right mentorship, and that is empowering them. And it's something that is amazing to see somebody grow as a person through motorcycling. So my pitch is the Recycle Garage reality show. Done. You got it. It's really good. I've actually seen several episodes, Liza. Oh. I really like it. And I already thought, if you, how many episodes do you have uh, currently? Of the podcast? Yeah. Uh, we're nearing 500 this winter. That's right. Yeah. Four, yeah. And that's of the garage? Of, of well, the garage? The Motorcycles and Misfits podcast comes yep. out of the garage. We, we work in the garage all day. And then we close up and we come into the studio here. And these are a lot of the conversations that we were having sitting around the garage, shooting the shit, talking. So this is just bottling that whole camaraderie and and experiences that we share with everyone. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. When I when I learned about what you guys were doing, I I saw a few of the podcasts, and uh, yeah, you keep this up, and this is is the 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 seedlings for for such shows yeah. just like you just exactly what you described right? okay well but jerry now you have a decision to make oh no you've got patrick <laughs> yours is kill the unkillable klr right. craig monster bike build off and bagel electric scooter shootout and the recycle garage so jerry yes. which one of these tv shows would you put your money behind Number one, mostly because of how you described it, what I've learned recently is storytelling is everything. That is what gives you the longevity, the authenticity, the sincerity of a show. So it's got to be your garage, what you described. Oh, surprise. Surprise, surprise. I'm really serious. You 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 would dive you would dive into these people that are learning and growing. And well, that's what it what it's about. That's what uh, and, and the uh, number, people want to watch. The number one thing that I'm aware of is you don't need to be a gearhead to appreciate no. seeing people growing in life and expanding and and, and becoming uh just better people. I mean, it really is crazy how much, not just yeah. motorcycling. I say we don't teach people how to fix a motorcycle. We teach them tools. 
Yes. And then they get to learn that there's all different types of tools. Just today, I was helping a kid uh, with his Duke 200, and we needed to get to this radiator hose, and we needed to take a shroud off to get to it. And he's like, I need um, a, I think, a number eight uh, wrench. So I give him a socket, uh, a number eight, and he brings it back. He goes, no, it won't fit into the space. Hmm. And so I, I give him one that's a pivoting head ratchet. And he goes, no, that still won't fit. It's too wide. So then I just gave him an open wrench. And he's like, I don't have enough room to move it. And I said, show me what you're doing. And he shows me. And I went, I got it. I went back in. I got that ratchet with a six-inch extension. Mm. Now he's able to come up from below and get to it. And he went, I would have given up by now. Like, I would have totally walked away. I'm done. Wow. And then you just showed me a tool that I went, well, now it's really easy. And I'm like, exactly. And that's kind of what we do is we teach people those tools and help them, yeah, figure it out. And we had another experience today on another bike where it's like, okay, we're trying to figure it out. And like, I'm looking at it and like, okay, so last week, there's a little backstory in this. Last week, we're like, we couldn't figure this thing out. Did a little research when I was at home this week before I came, knowing like we're going to anticipate this again. Still had some trouble with it. Now we've got two or three other people looking at it, and it's like, okay, now it's a collaborative effort. Yeah. It's like, it's not just one person showing another person how to do it. It's like, no, there's a group of people who is like, we're all going to look at this and figure it out together and find a solution to this problem. And in the process, the individual who owns this bike, now they're learning how to work on this bike through the result of four or five other, four or five other people mm-hmm. who are also figuring out at the same time. Because it's like... I've never owned this bike. This other person's never owned this bike, but we're all learning together how to do it. And we're all coming with different experiences like, yeah, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try these things. And now all of a sudden, okay, yeah, we've collectively figured out how to make this mm-hmm. work. And now, and that's the beauty of this garage too. Cause it's like, it's not just one person showing another, it's everybody working towards another goal. But it's not just this garage. I see that all the time in the race community. So is this something, Jerry, that you guys capture also, even though they're competing? Isn't oh, every, yes. Isn't everyone oh, yeah. in it together? 100%. Yeah. Uh, my first experience out, um, out at uh, Grand Bend, Ontario was, uh, was, was fantastic. The, the, the presence of everyone supporting each other. Now, when they get on the track, once it's time to race, it's uh, whoever's on that on that bike. It's it's about them and themselves. It's a uh, it's a very uh, self centered thing when you're racing, right? It's, it's what it's about. But in the paddock and in the pits, like you said, um, it, it, everyone's helping each other. Uh, I know a guy who actually crashed his bike out when I shot. Oh, here's a cool mm-hmm. story. Uh, Drew Morrissey, fantastic guy. He races, he's uh, visually impaired. He races with one eye, believe it or not. (laughs) And he's a super guy. Um, He actually, uh, he's a truck driver and he makes all the decals for everybody. uh, Hold on, I have to ask. Yeah. Can you see the apex? (laughs) Like, how does that, (laughs) without the depth perception, how do you do that? He can do it. He can really do it. Yeah, believe it or not. And he's been racing for years. He does quite well. Now, he's getting up there in age, so maybe not so well as he used to. But nonetheless, he gets it done. And his wife races with him, too. Uh, So my story was, uh, we were there to film. This was in 2015. It was a Monday 
Uh, I had asked 12 guys to shoot. And on the Sunday, Drew crashes out in the bike that's really pretty bike. Mm. He crashes out and he, he doesn't have a bike for that day. Well, one of the competitors gave him bike number B, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And uh, he he had a bike. So they, they help each other out a lot, not only by sharing motorcycles, but, uh, you know, help me put my bike back together so I can race the last race of the day. And they do it. I've That's seen a it. beautiful thing. Well, in general, motorcyclists are nice to each other. And then you got the, you got the, the double strain because they're Canadian. So they're certainly ah, helping each other, uh, right? Some Canadians, I think. <laughs> uh, some of them I've met are not so much. Sure. Pretty sure. All right, there you go. So um, is this <laughs> always going to be uh, like 600cc sport bikes, or are you mixing it up? Are you throwing supermoto or scooters? What What's going uh, on? Uh, well, if run what you brung uh, mm. kind of a deal. Um, if you think you could take on the, uh, the amateurs and the pros with a 600 or a, a leader bike, you know, do what you can, do what you want. Um, now the, I, I'm not in charge of race operations, the vetting process for mm-hmm. the, the tech inspections that's, that's on someone else. Uh, but it's open. Yeah. So answering your question, you know, if you think you got a really fast bike and you know how to handle the turns, and have at her, right? Jerry, um, I'm really curious. Yeah. Let's rewind for a second on yep. how you extracted the stories. What were your techniques mm. to ah. uh, pull out the stories that you had focused so much on and that really um, would interest the public? That is the million-dollar question, and that is critical. Now, um, after editing my last um, the pilot, uh, my only pilot, sorry, um, I recognized I did not have story. I wasn't telling the story. I was telling a wonderful story of the event. It's really pretty. It's lots of colors. It sounds great. The commentators were fantastic. Everything was really good, but I didn't capture story. So I had to figure that out. Uh, I took a couple of courses, spoke to a lot of people, and I followed this one fella. And I'll use his name. I don't know if it's cool or not, but I'll use his name. He's a great guy. Mark Leta. Okay. Mark Leta produces this um, uh, YouTube channel called Soft White Underbelly. <laughs> and if, it is really, really good. Okay, then. He's got millions of subscribers. <laughs> so uh, he actually, he talks about in one of his episodes why he calls it Soft White Underbelly. But that's not, uh, that's for another day. So he interviews people that have had the bad part of life. He, he, people that have been challenged. So what he does, he has one camera, maybe two. He sets them up, sets them up in the studio and he just gets them to speak. These people are sincere, passionate people because they have something to say. If you, if you get, if you give someone an environment where they can freely talk, um, you might be able to pull out the best part of what what it is that they're trying to say, their story. These people talk for an hour and you're just, they're so compelling. You have to hear the story. There's uh, it's not scripted, of course. And uh, he, they just go off. So in answering your question, you got to set up an environment that's trustworthy. And uh, that's what I'll build with these people um, beforehand and throughout the race event, which is a, a weekend, uh, I'll be interviewing uh, individuals. 
throughout the whole weekend, but there'll be at least four or five people that just are can articulate well and, and just the story comes out so natural from them. So you kind of do a crossing your fingers, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to set up a studio, very comfortable. They have to trust you. And then you just say, tell me your story. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily related to motorcycles. You just tell me who you are and why you're here. I mean, you're doing something that's life and death every other weekend. Tell me about why you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're just trying to lure the story out, you know, pull the stories out. And did you it's have- not easy. Did you have pre-scripted questions or was it kind of like natural and kind of off the cuffs or or a hybrid of the two? A hybrid of the two. I mm. think what happens is you you, you got to go in with good questions. You got sure. you got to go in with uh, uh diving deep questions, but as as you go you work with the person in front of the camera and uh you you know anything will come out. I mean, they have something interesting to say and as, as a motorcycle lover uh, like I don't race. I, uh, I wish I could. It's just, it's not in me to, to do it. Not at the level that these guys are doing sure. it, these women. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm just naturally interested. Uh, I really want to know what it is that they do, uh, you know, in, in this life. And, no, uh, that's amazing. I bet that was an amazing. And then e- getting each person's different angle and story mm-hmm. and history, I think yeah. is just what makes this sport that we love and what you've been working on so beautiful. And I'm really excited to see what comes up and, and what the future holds for you. Yeah. So where Thanks. are you in the process now? You filmed the the pilot. Are you the, shopping it now? Where are you at? Okay. Great question. So um, we are not shopping it yet. We're not fully prepared because of the idea that I didn't capture stories well enough mm-hmm. yet. We have a really cool event. And we're shooting for uh, May 2023. Uh, it's going to be before the season starts up here in uh, cold country. Uh, you, we usually get seasons. We What's us- that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we usually get running around the end of May. So our, our first nice. event is scheduled for the end of May. We're going to do it at a track uh, not too far from the Toronto area. So we're hoping to get a few spectators. And uh, so we're at the point where we're going to shoot it again. Mm-hmm. We're, we have a really good presentation, Liza. We have yeah. a, a decent presentation now. I've got people working with me. I can't do this alone, I learned. So I've got PR people working with me, two brilliant people, Matthew and Emily. They're mm-hmm. fantastic, great people, and they're really good at what they do. So they're helping me get the word out. And... Um, yeah, so we're gonna. I'm really excited about shooting shooting it next May, and we're gonna capture stories when we shoot it next. The event will be great. I know we can pull that off brilliantly. The riders are excited, and uh, I look forward to capturing that story. And I encourage all three of you. Is it three of you or four of you? There's three four of, you. of us here. Oh, four. That's right. Uh, I encourage you to when you have a coffee in hand or a tea or whatever is mm-hmm. your your preferred drink to go have a look at soft white underbelly pick any <laughs> any particular video that this guy does and if you're interested in editing and storytelling yeah. you'll see what i'm talking about okay. this guy mark leda was the number one photographer for all Ooh. of uh, uh uh the major silicon valley uh computer companies mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s so you can see, you can see that this guy uses light very well 
and he's just so energetic about storytelling and he's really good at it. And I hope to be uh, somewhere close to his level. Uh-huh. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to check so it out. So you're going to, yeah. you said you're going to be filming it in May. What's your expected turnaround time on this? Oh, great. Um, well, um, I can edit pretty quick now. Now you have a template? <laughs> only, yeah. only because I have a template. Did yeah. you say template? Yeah, template. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have a template and a plan. Yeah. It's all about organizing your clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time the camera's trigger is pulled, you have to organize that clip, whether it's four seconds or four minutes long. You got to go through it, sit through it. So anyway, once that's all done, editing should happen maybe per episode. If I'm lucky, 24 hours. Wow. Uh, nice. Yeah, uh, that's per episode. And, so, how, and um, how many weeks will you be filming? Oh, here's here's one of the, the secrets of the, the uh, trade that I developed. One weekend? Yes. Yes, there it's it is. It's just one weekend. Nice. I, shot, yeah. I shot the first one in one day. Yeah. Actually, wow. six hours, seven hours, I, I, I shot mm-hmm. everything. And uh, you, you got so so many cameras. If you go in with a plan, you can you can do it. You know. Yeah, that would be for the races. But are you going to do then to get ah. uh, for all the stories and backstories yes. and stuff? So you know what you're talking yeah. about, Liza. So after the event, you get a weekend. I get to know all these riders. There's 32. It starts off with 32, 16 and 16, 16 amateurs, 16 pros. Okay. You whittle it down to 12. Then you have six and six, all right? Six ams and six pros. Mm-hmm. So of those 12 guys and, and girls, mm-hmm. uh, I will get to know at least four or five, maybe six people that I'm going to focus on. Once the event is done, that's when I go shoot the storytelling part of it. So I'll actually travel to six, maybe six homes, six locations. Maybe the guy's shop, maybe the, the person's uh, uh, workplace. And uh, I have a mobile in, uh, interview studio. It's a small trailer. It's a six by 12 air conditioned. And uh, I'll just have them uh, uh, sit in there, sit, sit in the studio, uh, the green room, and uh, just have them tell me uh, their story. And yeah. I'll... Mm-hmm. I know you have a template, but can I can I make a suggestion? I have I have a great idea. Yes, I want oh. to spice this up. Yes. Okay, you get down to the winner, but you're not done yet. Right. You have one more race. That's right. And you're going to bring out your version of the Stig, but instead it's going to be a nine year old <laughs> with a two stroke. <laughs> oh. who comes out like in all the white finale. or something, you know? Dun, 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 bring out the kid. And then it's really a kid on a two-stroke yeah. who just whoops everyone's ass. That would be a yeah, that would be awesome, awesome. Well, you just know, that's, that's interesting, Liza, because there's a uh, there's the amateurs, there's the pros. You guys know what a squid is, oh, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. All, All right, too well. So yeah, there you go. So we're gonna have, and this is this is where I think I came in. You were talking about some of the street racing that might go on yeah. in, in the streets. Well, um, one of the guys that is on board is a, a hall of famer, motorcycle hall of famer here in, in Canada, uh, John Bondar. And uh, he's a, a, a big endorser of uh, uh, taking racing off the streets and bringing mm-hmm. it to the track. Yes. So one of the things that we kind of want to integrate is that idea so we get squids, the guys who think they know what to ah, do, and they may, they may do the track mm-hmm. days, but they're not licensed. Right. So we might have a feature race that may or may not make it to film, but uh, there's going to be audience there. And, and just uh, 
put the put the contrast right to the test, right? Get a squid against the pro and see what happens. <laughs> that right? could be fun. But I love the little kid idea. Um, I have another question for you. Yeah. Um, now that now that we're good friends, is any chance you can get me a, a, a set tour of Degrassi? <laughs> you know what didn't see that one coming did you well let me tell you because uh, i don't know any of the people uh, any of the actors but i'll tell you i was at a conference this is 20 years ago and someone asked me the same question (laughs) i wasn't even involved in television at that point yeah and someone had asked me the same question can you can you get me in (laughs) it was worth a shot so so then but the real question the big question is when and where well, uh, how much of that question. do you know? <laughs> uh, well, like, a, like uh, I will tell you, it's not locked down yet. But mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I love to flirt with the, uh, I don't know, she's the future. Uh, we're looking at May. Uh, there's a weekend, the last weekend in May in 2023. Mm-hmm. Now, before that, we're going to be doing a lot of events just to promote it. Uh, the International Motorcycle Show here in, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, this- is, is that still happening there? Uh, it hasn't yet. Uh, you know they shut down, right? Uh, well, because of COVID, you mean? Or no, what do you mean? the International Motorcycle Show shut down this year. Yes, it, it did. Yeah, it did wait, here. Wait, wait. Like, they canceled all dates. This is for next year, though. This coming January. You may want to check. It said wow. indefinitely in the statement. Oh, wow. That's the Canadian group? It's International Motorcycle Show here in the States that toured around. I don't know if it's the same up there. It's not. I, okay. I don't think I'm it's just saying. International. You may want to check. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I will check. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because they were all shut down for the last two years because right. of that silly virus, right? So, uh, yeah. So, we're shooting for uh, May and uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. You guys will certainly find out about it. Uh, incidentally, I, I, I was telling you right from the top of the show that um, our goal is to come down to where it's warm mm-hmm. so that in February and January we can be shooting this. We can have events. This is a mobile production. And I've got friends in California. And uh, now I've got friends uh, pretty well everywhere in in southern states where where i can get a track um so i i would uh, i'm planning if we get the money to to come down there if we get the brand partners to come down there we'll certainly come down 100 percent. i can already see the franchise happening in italy and germany and south africa and that's it matthew's working on it there you go everywhere um well and then the other question that you can't answer but I'll okay. try and be vague enough that maybe you can, or at least you can nod. Um, okay. So uh, we don't know yet where people are going to see it. So are you, I know you're mm. anywhere. So uh, streaming services like Netflix or Hulu, or are you thinking more like network, like discovery, or are you thinking something else? Uh, no, you got the right idea, okay. right? I'm not focused on that. Look, from from the get-go, I've always been trying to make what I'm doing a really good presentation so that people at that level to get the word out can say, hey, I like that. Uh, That's why I said, what's missing from what I'm currently doing? And it was the storytelling. Mm -hmm. So we're going to polish up the storytelling, the next series uh, that we shoot. 
And, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, wherever it goes, it'll go. I, I, there's one thing I promise myself to do the best I can uh, at what it is that I do. And it's critical to bounce it off everyone, uh, that, that has love for storytelling and that has love for motorcycles. This thing has to make sense for the racers. Yeah. It, it can't be fluff. It's got to be real. Um, and that's why they designed it. They helped design it. I, 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 I told them, here it is. Well, what do you think? Right. And, and, uh, they polished it up for me. So yeah, wherever this goes, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I promise to, uh, to do the best I can for the audience that are going to be watching. Yeah. And, and for the, the TV market, it's the wild west out there. Everything has oh, changed. Yeah. It totally... I mean, the networks don't have the power that they used to have. And now you nope. get these streaming services who are all competing against each other to buy yep. shows. Some of them are going faster than others. And That's right. you can have a small little gem of a show that yep. suddenly somebody discovers and shares. And now it's a big hit. Um, like, um, and there's a lot of stuff coming out of Canada. You guys are. I mean, right now, gold, yeah. to the gold. Uh, I watch like Jade Fever. There's a lot of yep. really cool shows, uh, a bunch of the, the car shows coming out of there. Um, yep. A lot of good untapped resources in Canada. So it'll be interesting to see where you do end up. Um, but it's also who who's going to help you out the most. I mean, you can get on some of these streaming platforms and no one ever discovers you. So I guess that's why you reach out to social media and media outlets like us to get the word out. That's it. Influencers are, are critical to get the word out. And you say, hey, look what we're doing. And then if you catch the eye of someone, you, you might get uh, some help. Um, that's what it's about. Well, we'd love to be kept uh, in the loop so we can announce it again. Any show with two-wheeled vehicles we love. I also love the that's fact great. that once you've got this template, it can be anything. I mean, Bagel is our resident scooterist, if you couldn't tell. And I don't know if you've seen yeah. scooter races. Like, they are crazy. Like, Vespa yes. Cross oh, is yeah. a whole nother level of racing, right? Did you say Vespa Cross? Yes. Yep. Oh, what a wicked name. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yep. There's a lot of really cool <laughs> is, racing that's exciting that a lot of people haven't discovered yet that no one's televising. So that's interesting. I, I, I coined a term back in the late nineties. I used to, uh, I used to own formula cars, formula two thousands. I don't hmm. know if you're familiar with those. Uh, we used to race autocross in, yeah. in parking lots. Uh, I, I dubbed this one thing that I used to do on the weekends formula cross. Hmm. So I, Love the Vespa Cross. Is there any video I can see? Is there anything on YouTube for that type oh, yeah. of racing? Yep. Just search for Vespa Cross and you will find all kinds of uh, videos Sweet. of it. You know, the where I really uh, got to enjoy it, um, uh, Ari and Zach had a TV show for a minute. Do you know Ari and Zach from Revzilla? They had a TV show for a minute where they went and did different challenges. And one of them was they went over to Italy and had to build a Vespa cross bike and race it with no experience oh. at all. And so you really got to see that community there and the type of racing and, and oh, okay. Yeah. It was yeah, a lot of fun. That's a great one to watch. But that, but being that there are a lot of different, um, factions of racing and the styles and supermoto and yep. pit bike and sidecar and all these yeah. things. There's so many ways you can tap into that. Yes. Ooh, yeah. this is good. Where can yeah. people follow you or find out more? Motorcycle 
uh, MotorcycleWarsOfficial.com. Motorcycle Wars. Oh, that's right, because I I got Motorcycle Wars from my New York mess. That's what mm. I yeah. <laughs> What is, <laughs> is there MotorcycleWars.com? Uh, there's MotorcycleWars.tv. Oh, is that not you? Uh, no, that's that me. is you. Okay, that is yeah. you too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, MotorcycleWars.tv okay, okay. or MotorcycleWarsOfficial.com is our most recent. Uh, and I'm URL. assuming people can be sign up there to get notified when and where. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, Jerry, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I'm excited for anything motorcycling, especially racing. Me too. <laughs> and um, yeah, please reach out to us when you guys are ready to start promoting more. I've got. Like so many ideas running through my head already. <laughs> I certainly will, Liza. Thank you so much fun. for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and hey, I'm the winner. I just want everyone to remember I won. Oh, barely, oh, barely. Just, just, yeah. just push the knife in and twist Go it a little and more. Kill that yeah. KLR. Oh. <laughs> All right. I gotta admit, I like the kill uh, kill the KLR. <laughs> it's a good idea. What can I say? Yeah, no, that, that's pretty cool. It's a hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I appreciate you coming be. on. We'll let you go yeah, now. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you very Thank much. You. Good to see you, Jerry. Thank you. All right, see ya. Take care. So that was that was that was pretty fun. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, I love how he's he's been working on it so long already. That means he's really like dialing it in and has has great ideas of where it's going to go. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great right. to see what the future has. So, um, hey, you guys ready for a game? Of course, born. Sure. Well, right. some of you Let's might be it. an advantage because if, if you were sitting around when I was playing this game outside, mm. so uh, you may be. Well, we'll see. So, um, I always wonder. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I always think about names and then .dot com, and I wonder like, like green .dot com. Have you looked up green .dot com? Like, what do you think green .dot com? You know, I feel like this now is just a risky business because you never know what you're gonna. Venture onto well, you, mostly you porn, know. but like, <laughs> oh, let's on. be honest, it's the internet. <laughs> I'm just throwing this out. I know this isn't motorcycle related. We will get there, but I'm just curious. I typed in green.com. I'm gonna hit enter. You guys want to guess who owns green.com? I feel like it's, it's, it's it could be, be Kawasaki. Just, well, right? it's it's just gonna be one. It's gonna be a green Golf page supply. and nothing else, or John Deere. One of the it could two. be a grass company. Uh, you know, I Scots, would say someone Scots. from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's loading. It's loading. Wait All right, green.com. Come on, come through. And Might be nothing. Butts. <laughs> what? Maybe it's nothing. Why is it loading? All right, one of you try it on your computer. It's loading malware. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh. Ooh. This site can't be reached. Oh. Something, my internet just dropped out. Oh. Okay. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. So green.com, I don't think it, maybe it's not a thing. So I've often thought... What what are a lot of these uh, potential sites? Are they in use? Um, especially with like motorcycle related things. Mm-hmm. So um, if you know the answer, don't don't jump in. But you might not. So I typed in some simple things, and I want to see if you guys can guess who's using that site. Okay. Uh, here's a simple one. Have you guys ever been to motorcycle.com? I have not. I haven't even bell. looked it up. What do you think uh, is on Motorcycle.com? Is it motorcycle Magazine or something like that? Uh, I'm going to guess a parts, just like a parts warehouse. I mean, they're all good guesses, and I'm going to tell you, 
I'm not sure what this is. Uh, it looks like a online magazine, motorcycle.com. Hey, uh, it just go. has a bunch of articles and reviews and okay. links to things to buy and stuff now, like that. The, the question is, is it original articles or is it they just picking up articles from other places? Uh, well, there's... Uh, well, this one is written by the motorcycle.com staff. Okay. I mean, they have... Uh, Dennis Chung wrote Ducati World Premiere 2023 to include Monster, New Scrambler, Panigale, and more. Hmm. And he also wrote two electric Kawasaki street bikes coming for 2023. Uh, so he looks like he's Some in-house. a regular, yeah. yeah, uh, CF Moto Review, this week's Motorcycle Gear Deals. It looks like it's an online magazine. I didn't know. Hmm. Um, if you had to guess what, uh, scooter.com gets you, Bagel. What do you think scooter.com is? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Ain't it? Um, Who owns is it a parts store? You think it's just a parts store? Scooter parts, maybe? Uh, no, it, it takes you, redirects you to spinlife.com mobility scooters. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Bagel, talk to your people. You need to get that back. They're <laughs> yeah, not even yeah. using it we'll, right. We'll, we'll Vespa needs to buy that, that website right there. I wonder how much that costs them to get that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's about the timing. What about rider.com? I, that sounds so like an insurance. You guys, quit thinking about porn. No, <laughs> not just porn. I'm well, just okay. telling you. Aside from the porn, my, my, my first thought was insurance company. But then now that you mentioned, yeah, it could be a porn site <laughs> of sorts. I think it's a magazine. Like... Rider.com. It is Come Ride with Rider, Plymouth Rock Insurance. Got it. Oh, I win. Nice. Nice. Plymouth Rock Insurance. What the heck? Um, wow. Okay. Then we get into, let's see. What's another? Oh, Brap.com with three A's. Brap.com. <laughs> That's going to be a little more hooligan-esque. That's going to be some, a little more grassroots, maybe some... Um, more two-stroke focus though lots lots of two-stroke dirt bikes i i think that's an online dirt bike forum that would be a wonderful guess instead it is a company that makes films about snowmobiling industry hmm brap kind of brap i know didn't see that one coming all right uh well, how about this two one strokes so Piston.com. Get your heads out just, of there. I'm just going to say, I just Spelling. immediately <laughs> went to that. <laughs> Piston.com. Um, I'm going to go with like they sell high-end pistons for American muscle cars. That is a really good guess. That's that's right at that alley. Ooh. So, Craig, you going to guess? He stole you know? mine. I was going to say the same thing. Bagel, what do you think? Piston.com. Um, I'm going to go with Porn Sight. All right, so this one, it brings up a page with just a lot of writing on it. And it says, Mm. The digital garage is an eclectic (laughs) Seattle-based computer services business specializing in website design and content development for the vintage motor enthusiasts. We also offer graphics, publishing, computer system maintenance, and training. Please follow our service department for more info. Our website Mm. clientele is highlighted by the disciplines of motorcycling, 
Koi Keeping and Alternative Press. So Koi I'm going to go with this. This is straight out of the what? late. That took a turn. No, this is straight that, out of the late 90s. That took they've, a turn. They've, they got the website domain and then nothing ever changed after that. Basically, It yeah, was a guy sitting like at it. home and I want to talk about cars and goldfish? <laughs> and <laughs> no. nothing, nothing ever changed. And, and Alternative Press. Well, that's, so, well, and that's Seattle right there. <laughs> Uh, this is in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's so, exactly. I know. Wow. Isn't that funny? Somebody got there early. Piston.com. How interesting. Um, Jixer.com with two X's. Jixer.com. Suzuki Forum. Yeah, I'm Kawasaki that. Forum? I mean, just to screw with them? <laughs> <laughs> Keep them on their toes? Gotcha. I will go with Jixer Forum. <laughs> it is a Jixer form. It is exactly what you think it should be, a Jixer form. Yeah. But you never know. Um, let's see. How about... Oh, no, not this one. So, and here's where it gets interesting. Dirtbike.com. Well, since hmm. you said it's interesting, it must not be have anything to do with Dirtbike Magazine, but that would be my guess. Is or what? What Dirtbike Magazine? BMXs, but not. Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't. Say, I don't know enough about this, but like BMXs, but not. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a BMX bike magazine or something. Yeah, it's just a holding page. It says the domain dirtbike.com is for sale by its owner. Wow, Ooh, no one is using dirtbike.com. Someone's got to get on that then. In fact, how much is it for sale? It doesn't say. 250cc.com, <laughs> scooterist.com, monkey.com, squid.com, biker.com, adv.com, crankshaft.com, twostroke.com, superbike.com. What do they all have in common? They're all for sale. They're all placeholders. I have nothing on and it. And that's that's a, the ADV one kind of throws me for a loop because it's like there's so yeah. many ADV forums. ADV.com. All the ones that's not for sale. ADV.com. It's, it's not even bought up yet. So, and here's a thing um, you can book discount hotel and motel rooms at motels.com is a link. Uh, website <laughs> promotion. Even. Exactly. This what is the one ADV of those things where wants. somebody is. Bagel, isn't this when like somebody's like stolen it and they just put a links on there that take you to other stuff? Well, it's not necessarily not that it's stolen, but it's, but just it's a place probably holder. that somebody let the registration expire and then someone else went and registered some cyber squatter registered it. Yeah. And they just throw up random ads on there so that whoever happens to go to that domain will see the ads and maybe click on them if they're not smart. That's okay. a new, that's a new term for you, boys and girls. Cyber squatter. <laughs> Diver squad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just found it interesting. So many of these websites. All right. So now I want to play a little bit more. Let's see. Let's try. Do you guys think, can you think of any other motorcycle terms? And let's see if we can find some more websites. What, what's something I haven't listed? What's a common motorcycle term? Wheelie.com. Ooh, wheelie. I like yeah. that one. What do you think that might be? Uh, a website dedicated to 1970s motorcycling. It is a website. Mm. Um, in fact, Bagel, are you able to get onto your computer or phone? I could. I'm going to need you <laughs> to type in wheelie.com. Okay. 
so that you can tell me what it says. Hmm. Hmm. Because I don't know this language. So that looks like uh, Norwegian, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All I know is there's a bunch of uh, categories you can click on. One is Bill with a picture of a car. One is MC, I'm guessing motorcycle. One is Slap, and I don't know what that is. It looks like a train car. One is Risket Building and and Malin Kurz. Prizer? I don't know what any of these means. Slap. Slap. And in, introkers. I don't know what introkers are. Uh, oh, and there's a picture of a scooter it's, and it says moped. Well, it looks like it's some sort of a traffic school. Oh. Wheelie.com. Traffic school. Wheelie.com. Traffic school. I love it. This is what happens when you pull too many wheelies. You come here. You come to us. Oh, that's brilliant. No wheelies. You go directly to traffic school. Wow. All right. Let's try one more. Any of you guys got a suggestion to look up? Caferacer.com. Ooh. What do you think? I'm going to think culture, everything culture. If it's not the Ace Cafe. If it is not, I mean, come on. Caferacer.com. It, well. Hipsters based out of Austin, Texas. Um, <laughs> well, it's yeah. Cafe Racer Motorcycle Parts coming soon. Type yeah. in your email address. We'll let you know when we've launched. Oh. But hmm. Who knows I'm how guessing they missed the curve there. on that one. Yeah, maybe. All right, one more. You guys got one more? Hayabusa. Dot, dot EU. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. throw a curveball out there. Lisa, Come on now. Dot EU. That's got to be owned by Suzuki. That's got to be the porn site. <laughs> I have, nope, it is nothing. Hmm. There is no site called oh. EU. It's not a popular bike out there, I guess. But let's just try the Hayabusa.com and see what happens. Interesting. Interesting. What do you think I got when I typed in Hayabusa.com? Site dedicated to birds of prey. (laughs) Good good idea. No, I got, warning, this is a dangerous site. (laughs) It's a a questionable porn site. Yeah. We finally got there. Oh, but. I got a website that has all kinds of Japanese on it, except for the words, everything is for people's joy and exciting. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Interesting. So anyway, that's a fun little game that I like to play where I try and see what things are because they're not always what you think they will be. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, we were talking about, um, we were talking about New York and all the stuff that's going on. And I had a, I was part of an interesting conversation on Facebook forum uh this week um this guy had bought a new motorcycle from the shop in new york and he went to go get it registered and the dmv told him Mm-mm, can't register it without a title and he's like but i got a vin and they told me i don't need a title if i have a vin mm-hmm. so the dmv sent him away but the dealer said no they're wrong you just need this 17-digit VIN. So he'd gone on the forums. I'd help. What do I do? Well, I looked up what this bike was. And the company 
Bagel, you might want to look this up. Um, if you look up flyebike.com, flyebike.com, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys can look up if you want. They sell a lot of scooters as well as some really good-looking sport bikes that look like a R3 kind of bike. Um, they also have some bikes that look like a, a Grom clone. Right? Uh, here's one that actually looks a lot like my Benelli with that trellis frame. Um, and then you even get some weird little, like, mopedy bike scooter things. Um, I like this Fly 7. It's a scooter that's got, like, a cage, like, for adventure riding. I don't know. Um, but here's the thing. They're all electric vehicles. All of them. And the price, like if we look at the one that's this uh, Grom clone, and this is the one that he had bought, uh, it it is $22,050 for an electric Grom. So if you were to buy a $2,000 bike, which it says on the page, street legal, street legal, as opposed to some of these others that say... Like, I'm going to bring, here's a bike that looks just like a sport bike, right? But it says, off-roading. Right. So uh, the, this raises the question, is this yeah. Fly e-bikes, are they based in New York? Or are they just so these an, are, are they an online retailer like Amazon? So they have a shops in New York. These are Chinese bikes that they're assembling in New York and are selling in New York, and now they're expanding. I read their whole about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, expanding into other um, countries, not just cities, but countries. Um, uh, they probably have worked with some of these manufacturers in China and mm-hmm. kind of assembled the colors and the style that they want, and then they badge it themselves. I mean, yeah. a lot of people do that. But is it a real bike the problem is people are buying these thinking they're getting a motorcycle right right and then the dmv doesn't always recognize it as that but when you read the fine print and it says some like i said some of them say off-roading i'm guessing it's because it may not have the lights required because to be a road legal bike house has to have certain lights on it right right well and that's very dependent on each state but yeah like for the most part the dot says like you have to have a certain amount of turn signals headlights license plate lights Uh, to make it a street legal vehicle a perfect example is a trail 70 mm -hmm. going back all the way to the 70s they had two models one that didn't have a license plate or lights and one that did mm -hmm. and to this day one is off-road only and one you can make it street legal right and and it also could have to do with some uh, safety uh, requirements like ABS. Because uh, isn't there a requirement now for all bikes to have ABS or something like that? Uh, not that not, I'm aware of. Not no. necessarily because no. a lot of no. bikes, ABS is still optional. And there's mm. there's some lower end models yeah. that don't sell it with it at all. One other okay. thought is it could have some emissions didn't pass. It's electric. Oh, gotcha. But there yeah. are certain requirements of certain sizes of lights. That's why some of the bikes have these hideous turn signals mm-hmm. everyone wants to remove because mm-hmm. it has to be a certain size. Right. Right? Yep. Stuff like that. So, um, you know, somebody buys it. And even on this, it says in the corner, it's got a picture of a license plate that says, we can register. Now. Right. Which is confusing because you showed me a picture. It's like, this is an off, it's, it's off road. And then you look at the picture, and I was like, that's got a license plate mounting frame on the back. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that all about? So, like, the best of my understanding is that um, the ones that say that they are street legal, it 
defines it um, as a moped scooter. Even though we're looking at a bike that looks like a Grom or a little Benelli, mm-hmm. it's defined as a moped scooter. So I know the laws may be different in different states. And here, I believe moped means it's restricted to under 30 miles an hour or 49 cc's. There's different uh, restrictions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you do have to get it registered, but much like a trailer, you only register it once and you don't pay a le- yearly registration. Right. Um, in New York, it seems that you do also have to have it insured, but they have different classifications of licenses. It doesn't need a class three, but there's apparently a thing in between a regular license and motorcycle license that lets you ride these. Hmm. I've been trying to figure it all out. Um, so on the one hand, you get these people buying these bikes who think because of these big statements, street legal, we can register, that they're buying a motorcycle. On the other hand, they're buying a toy. Right. Well, and then, you know, they're probably thinking, I could buy this motorcycle, but I don't have to go through all the other licensing requirements, DMV requirements. Now it's, it's a cheap and easy way to get into it without having to go through all the other hoops that we all normally have to jump through to get to that. So, on the so one it, hand, oh, go ahead, Bagel. So, it's basically an electric bicycle that looks like a motorcycle, is what you're saying. Kind of. Not the yeah. pedals. <laughs> well, yeah, and it doesn't have pedals. So, I mean, I, I feel bad for people who are buying these no. who think that they're getting something they can actually take on the street. When I bought my electric mini bike, I had no I, thinking I could take that on the street. Right. It doesn't have any lights. Well, and this is, I remember pocket bikes were big in like mm-hmm. what, the early 2000s. And it's like, yep. yeah, it's a little 50cc, you know, two-stroke motor. And it's like, yeah, dude, I, I had no thought that like, yeah, you're not going to take this on the street. It looks like a little tiny sport bike, but it's like, that's it. It's not going to go on the road. You know, if I'm going to go on the road, I'm going to do 10 miles an hour. Right. I'm not going any faster. And okay. if I if I get stopped, yeah, that's illegal completely. Some of these go up to 60 miles an hour. Right. And that's with the electric. It's a whole new game. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like, yeah, you're not going to do 60 power. in the bike lane. Well, right. and I discovered this <laughs> right. uh, years ago when we interviewed somebody who was making a... Remember when we talked to Bolt Motorbikes? Bagel, were you around yeah. that? Yep. They're now Monday yep. Motorbikes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they said that for a certain classification, you don't need a... Uh, a motorcycle license and you can park it on the sidewalk and it qualifies as an e-bike that, that so they had a slow mode that fit all that requirement but right. then you can go to street mode and now it unlocks all these things but to they could put it in slow mode and it qualified for those things right that's a good workaround and it, it, it was and a workaround. I've, heard, I've heard about that in other e-bikes where it's right. the thing where it's like basically just a switch you well, hit, and now you're in the street legal mode versus yeah. like the full open. Well, Conrad was here on his Suron today, mm-hmm. which is the same as a Segway, if you're not familiar with him. It looks like a beefed up mountain bike with big battery pack. Yeah. And that thing goes pretty fast, and yeah. he's unlocked it to do well. And more. they, I looked at the website. They sell that, and they say mm-hmm. that it's like, this mm-hmm. is meant for off-road use only. Off-road use only. But they're starting to now... Sell so, it like, yeah, you can get a plate mounted on it. Now, how does that well, work with the DMV? I don't know. There are really? uh, there are aftermarket like, exhaust companies for Harleys that are marked as off-road use only. Right. Because they, I mean, that's how, what you say to get around right. it, right? Right. So, um, so, yeah, these Surons, like they're whipping around and it's 
Doesn't have pedals or anything. You can you can maintain easily highway speeds on it, not for a long right. distance, but you can still go at highway speeds so, for a brief period of time on it. I'm really torn, and I was talking earlier about how the police are doing these possibly illegal checkpoints. <clears throat> I, I don't know the law there. And I'm torn. On the one hand, I get it. There's more and more of these bikes, e-bikes, uh, like all these different types on the road that are really pushing all the limits They're but they're riding them on sidewalks. And in the case of New York, it's become a huge problem. So many people who are doing deliveries. So this is good or bad. They're, they're buying these scooters, these electric scooters, and they're just going on the sidewalk wherever they need to go to get it delivered. So right. they get the food. They're faster. They're not wearing gear, helmet, nothing because it doesn't qualify right. as a motorcycle. Um, and they're not even getting them registered or anything. They're just riding these cheap things around. So it's causing a huge problem there. But on the other hand, there are people who are buying these things thinking they're buying a bike that they can get into motorcycling on yeah, and buy a fun little bike and, and use it for going to school or commuting or whatever they're going to yeah. use it for. And they're getting screwed because they want to be legit. They want to be legal. Right. So I'm like, I don't know. This is hard call. Like, well, and I, I think it's 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 going to be an evolving process. Yeah, it's like, it is. Look, like when it comes to like like four stroke, two stroke engines, it's like, yeah, one twenty five cc is the cutoff, but electric has it's it's come here and it's come so fast that like it's not evolved yet into a modern. How do we regulate this process? You know, is it going to be another five ten years where they decide like edit? Is it going to be a kilowatt thing? Is it going to be a power thing? Is it going to be a speed thing? You know, if you can go over, say, 45 miles an hour on this e-bike, mm-hmm. you're going to have to register it. And now it's considered a moped or it's considered something else that's not just an electric bicycle. So should people be required to have a motorcycle license to ride these things? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think, honestly, like, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. How do if you how do you, be road legal? Yeah, right. And it's like even even if it's not road legal, it's like look if you're going to plan on taking this on pavement, it's not a bad idea to require that. It it sucks for everybody because it's like okay yeah now you have to take licensing classes or courses or whatever to get to that stage, but like maybe that's a good thing too because it's like now you've got inexperienced people on an e bike that have no idea what they're doing, no no gear, no nothing. Yeah. What hap- what happens when they get hit by a car or a pedestrian or they just they eat it because they don't understand what they're doing oh, on this bicycle. I'm seeing like this I'll bicycle. be in traffic in my full gear and I see kids on Super 73s whiz by in the bike lane and hopping curbs and yeah. treating it like a bicycle but they're doing like 35 40 past the traffic. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm so torn. Is this good? Is it bad? Is it good that more people are getting in motorcycling? Is it bad that people are getting ripped off and buying crap that they can't register? Is it? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm. Or is well, it? I don't know. And, and, and the other thing that's bad too is is if people are treating these like bicycles when they're doing 30, 35 miles an hour. You know, that's that's some serious momentum. You can you can do some serious damage to yourself and others with at that speed. So. You know that that really does warrant the gear and you know and 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 safety training, but well, but how do you enforce that if it's not a registered vehicle? That's the hard part. Is it good that there are more people getting out there? And in fact, rental companies are using these. Do they still have them in San Francisco? The I forget what was that company called. They brought in all these electric scooters that you don't require a license. Lime. 
No, not scooters like a little like kickstarter. Like the Gen Z scooters, you mean? Yeah, the legit uh, little... Scoot. Scoot, yeah, yeah Scoot. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We had I mean, an amazing time on them when we, we, we got a whole posse together up there and got like seven, eight people and um yeah all you need is the app and it was amazing and fun you bear and you take this little you do they do this little 20 minute class in order to unlock it um but i don't know if they're still around it was really fun i mean that's isn't that better for the environment if you're getting people onto these little electric bikes rather than getting in their cars to get around in, in traffic right. or, well it, it's it's absolutely better i i see so many pros and cons but i'm like no. i don't know i i guess how is the DMV? How are the police going to handle this? How? What is the perception? I mean, this is something as bikers we deal with all the time that you get these segments that spoil the name and give a bad reputation to bikers. Are these kids on electric bikes going to also sully our name? I mean, I mean, so sullying our name isn't as big of a deal as much as it is safety they can ruin stuff they can we can lose access to places you know um mm. we go to hollister hills on our bikes we have a great time what if kids are showing up and ripping it up on all these little e-bikes and and causing issues i don't know well i mean would they be more likely to cause issues than people on gas-powered bikes well here's here's what i tell you it is happening already bike trails this is a big issue people okay, are taking yeah. these onto bike trails yeah. And even I So like so like mountain bike trails. Mountain bike trails. Right. Now, I know someone I and mentioned it before, somebody who was out riding, he had his daughter on his Super 73 and had his son on the other, and they went out on a bike trail in easy mode and just having a nice Sunday ride, and somebody called the cops and the cops came down and and evicted them from this bike path mm-hmm. in LA. And he's like, "What what's the issue? Like they're not being hooligans. They're just he and his kids right. were out having a nice ride." But there have been other people who have ruined it. So now people see them and just call the cops. Well, that's well, a and, whole and, other department with the e-bike mountain bikers versus the mountain biker purist. I mean, that yeah. reminds me back to the early 80s where it was snowboarders versus skiers. Skiers, I don't mm-hmm. know if, if you guys remember that, but there oh, was yeah. hatred for the yeah. snowboarders. And this electric... Motorcycle versus gas power motorcycle, kind of dawning of a new era that we're in, is a little reminiscent of that. Well, I think that there is a point as well, though, because with I mean a lot of the a lot of trails that are you know bicycle and and foot trails, there's 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 specific signage that says no motorized vehicles, period, and that would include e-bikes, even pedal e-bikes. Um, and I, I think that there there's some valid reasons for that because you know because they have more torque than a, a human powered bike. There's there's a chance that they can tear up the trails more, and that can cause more erosion. But that can you know cause damage to the vegetation. You know, I think there's, there's a valid concern. There. But where do they go? It says off road use only. Where do they go? Well, on private property. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe paved paths that are off road. Maybe well, maybe there are e-bike trails that are, you know, that are bicycle. And e-bike. remember, it, I mean, it's Scooter Sue Bagel was saying, oh, I heard about a new uh, electric scooter coming from, who, what brand was it? Uh, Piaggio. By Piaggio, right? I'm like, yeah. Bagel, there's a ton of electric scooters out there right now. But those sure. don't count in your book, right? They're not legitimate. Well, a lot of them are, are just very 
right. they fly don't by care. night type of, they don't care. you know, they're nothing not, standing behind them. They're not legit you know, road, just like road scooters. scooters, you know? Yeah, they're not legit road scooters. Yeah. yeah. So, but they are really crossing the, 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 the gray, the gray line that used to be between these toys and our real, real motorbikes is. Yeah, they're. They're definitely muddying the waters. Are muddying the waters. So anyway, I, I'm just thinking out loud. I don't. I don't have any like decisions or cl- clarifications. I'm just kind of fascinated. I'm following this, and I'm torn both ways. If I'm pro or con, all these little. I mean, bikes. the thing is, is like I'm. I'm kind of the same way. Like I want more people to get out there and enjoy the experience and ride it. But there is a concern. Is like. If it kind of muddies the waters, if it, it how do you it, how do you it regulate builds, it? it? I builds mean, if people this, it builds this bad perception of like, oh my god, well, all these bikers are bad, and it's like, well, there's a lot of people out there on bikes who are trying to do the right thing. Like, well, we're we're in. Which, it's like again, it's, I don't want also nothing new to motorcycle. Right, well, motorcycle it's, it's, world. it's nothing new, and it's like, <laughs> oh god, I don't want to be stopped just for the fact that I'm on a bike. Well, you know, and, because and like part of this you know, is causing I'm, all the checkpoints. I'm trying to do the right thing on the bike. Maybe I'm trying. I'm just, you know, I'm just going along my way, and then like I don't want to be stopped. Sure, we're you know, safety but, third, and then right? maybe that comes back, and then that, it's like it's that weird. We're in a weird position of like things are going to evolve and change. Well, like you know, maybe in the next like ten, fifteen years, we might see different laws or you know an evolution of how things are you know dealt with, where it's like. Yeah, okay, you know what? If you want to have an electric bicycle, an electric moped, whatever, at a certain threshold, you're going to have to get a license to go on the road. And it, and like at the very minimum, you're going to have to have the license the bike. And then, again, maybe that threshold changes. Like if you want to go on the highway, now you have to get You just have to get a motorcycle license to do it yeah, or but, a moped license or something. But now you're getting into this category where – like I said, in New York, it's a lot of these uh, del- food delivery people. Right, they're, they're not wearing gear. They're not getting licensed. They're not right. Well, and maybe the reason maybe they buy these bikes is they think they don't need it. They're on the they sidewalks. They can ride on the sidewalk. They're on the sidewalks with pedestrians and bicycles and all these things, and it's like, but it's like okay, maybe the bicycle is going along at ten miles an hour, and now you've got this e-bike that's doing twenty miles an hour. How well, do you deal with that situation? I don't know. Like, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Um, one thing that I can relate to on this, you can pass that to bear. Yeah. One of you take one there. Um, remember our old friends, Segway. Mm-hmm. Remember where Segways were created? Mm. Right here in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Right? Really? Wow. Yeah. So Segways were created here and before they were a thing, before they were out on the public streets, because when they created it, it's like, um, the vision was, oh, people don't have to walk. They can just ride this and save time and be efficient. Da, 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 da. Before they came out, the city of Santa Cruz, the council got together and banned them ah. <laughs> from sidewalks. And so when segways did come out and they were just being used by tour companies, they were limited to certain areas that they could go. Because here in Santa Cruz, because they saw it coming, yeah. they didn't want people getting run so over all the time. I'll, you can't I'll put have. A- them on the same place as pedestrians. This is a slight different perspective just because I happened to be in Europe a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. In in Munich, at least, there was there was a sidewalk, but there was two separate sections of the sidewalk. And it was like one side was brick or cobblestone, and there was another side was paved. 
The brick and the cobblestone was for pedestrians. The pave was bicycles. Mm. Now, if you were in, you were walking in the bicycle part of it. Yeah. Oh, those bicycles would get so mad at you. They would yell at you. They would get so yeah. mad. Because, mm. but it's like, hey, at least now you've got a place for the cars, a place for the bicycles, and a place for the pedestrians. In the states, we do struggle with that issue. Yeah. In other parts of the world, maybe they don't because it's like, yeah, we've got very designated spots where you can. Damn be. those bicycles. They're jackasses. And here I am riding a bicycle on the road. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die today. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, so and maybe that's maybe that's part of that evolution. Like, do we in the States need to evolve to the stage where like, you know what? There's a place for the cars. There's a place for mopeds, scooters, mm-hmm. bicycles. We can go a little faster. And then there's a place for the people to walk. I just think it's funny that we did this 20 something years ago with segways and people were reacting mm-hmm. to this potential thing and shooting them down which is part of the reason they weren't successful yeah because they were banned in so many places and now it's happening with all these electric scooters and bikes and no one's ready for it well the factories are producing so many shipping them here oh yeah that it's just some areas are being inundated and i think the other thing too is like when you look at like the big factories honda kawasaki ktm you know ducati they're selling bikes for $20,000. Who is going to afford to buy this bike? Whereas someone wants to get into the entry level, it's like, okay, 2000 bucks. that's way more affordable. Like, I, I feel like I have an entry-level option into those bikes versus like, I'm not going to walk into a dealership, deal with the dealership, deal with the finance, and deal with this bullshit, and $20,000 later, I'm going to get a bike that I don't know how to ride versus like 2000 bucks on Amazon, I can buy it online, it's right in my house. Yeah. And it's it's so much more accessible too, and maybe that's part of the appeal. But they're I being think, sold on something that maybe they don't even realize what they're getting into. Yeah, it's, there's so much controversy here. I'm going to be following it, but I would like to know from people. I'm sure we got listeners in New York. What are you seeing? What's going on? Tell me more about these checkpoints. I'm on a Facebook group that is about like the checkpoints and and the the riders, and they report. Um, the writers who are scoff laws and doing bad things, but they're also sharing information about all the checkpoints and how to avoid them and skirt around. Uh, I just know that it, it, I don't like that there are motorcycle only checkpoints. I don't like that. I don't know if it's legal. Anyway, if you're in New York or know anything more about this, or you're from somewhere else, another country that's dealt with this, please email us at, uh, let's go to motorcycles and misfits at gmail.com. And um, I'd like to know more. I find it. I find it interesting. Uh, who, I don't know who to cheer for. <laughs> it's hard. I think to sum it all up, get more people out of the cars on two wheels is is always a good thing. Yeah, but if somebody shows up on one of these electric scooters at your school, well, you put them on. You don't put them on. You put them on your own bikes that you know are legit. But would you ever use these? Electric scooters or electric bikes? Well, we've had uh, meetings about that exact same topic, and we're undecided. Oh, see? (laughs) I know. But if they wanted to ride it, you know what we did just pick up, though, that is very interesting. We just got two Honda Navis for the school. Oh, yeah. You teased me. You teased me. Come ride it, Liza. Come ride it. Uh, 107 cc's, clutchless. It looks like a motorcycle, rides like a scooter, automatic. 
very what, light. What's your top speed so far? <laughs> come on, come on, full talk. Two hundred and no. no. Um, I haven't got a chance to open it up yet. We're still breaking. Because uh, I know. Um, I think maybe thirty two. Moyne was riding my Benelli, and I was on a. I think a GS. I was on a big bike. Uh, we had to go into town from uh, AMA Vintage Days, and I saw him behind me, full tuck, hair flying. <laughs> I think he got it up to like sixty three. Oh yeah, wow. these, that's the, that would be way faster than the navvies. I don't on think big they, blocks, yeah. little wheels. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but they're still fun. It's but, certainly but, an interesting concept, and an, I would be. But, uh, I, but I support the navvies because they are street legal. Right, they well, do require it's, a it's license. A, it's a right. good entrance but into they're affordable yeah. and small they're the answer not these chinese things forget about somebody working on it to fix it um so yeah send us an email it's the wild west out there and let us know what you think i want other people to weigh in tell me more what's going on um hey i got some emails i want to get to so uh last week um if you guys were listening along i played the british terms uh, to see who could understand what, what the British terms were. And there's some that we didn't really understand. So uh, our friend Dean sent in an email to explain some stuff. And he says, the Brits are right about core plugs. While the plugs do occasionally provide the side benefit of being a sort of mechanical fuse that keeps the engine block from cracking if the coolant freezes, that's not really why they're there. In reality, they're an artifact of the manufacturing process, specifically casting the engine. I never thought about that. Mm. Um, he says complex castings like an engine block require a core, a single use part of the mold that forms the internal features like oil and coolant passages. And the cores uh, are made of a mixture of sand and a binding agent. Understandably, being a complex and thin shape, they can be a little on the fragile side. So they're sometimes braced against the main outer mold so they don't break when the metal is poured in around them. Anywhere they touch the outer mold, however, they naturally leave a hole in the final casting. The engineers just try to put these holes where the rigidity isn't needed, and then they're filled in with a formed sheet metal plug during assembly, and these are the freeze-slash-welsh-core plugs. I didn't know what a Welsh plug was. Hmm. So thank you, Dean, for sharing that that's interesting uh craig you got an email there to share i do i do hey misfits love the podcast on episode 482 you discussed an email from a listener who was asking about motorcycle magazines that are still yeah. available in hard copy physical format not motorcycle.com I would like <laughs> to give i would like to give a shout out to road runner road runner my dad had that subscription it sounds for like many that's something years, from the 60s. many, many years. I would sit on the couch fl uh, flipping through that. Motorcycle Touring and Travel Magazine, an independently published bi-monthly magazine dedicated to all things related to traveling and touring by motorcycle and not just on touring bikes. They cover all genres of riding and many types of trips from short localized routes mm. to regional cloverleaf tours to long multi-day excursions. Roadrunner also does reviews of motorcycles and gear with a bit of focus on travel applications in particular. I very much enjoy this magazine, and it is one of the very few printed periodicals that I still regularly subscribe to. Roadrunner can be found online at www.roadrunner.travel. Thanks for all you do. 
keep it shiny side up and rubber side down. Sincerely, Shane and Guelph from Ontario, Canada. Oh, thanks. Well, Lots thank of Canadians in the in the house tonight. I know. I'm all about the it's, Canadians. It's that riding season for the Canadians <laughs> right now. So. <laughs> I know. All right, what do you got there, Patrick? Okay, so I got an email from Stephen Floyd. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Misfits. Just found out found the podcast and binge listen while at work. Yeah. Currently on 449 and working backwards to episode 2. I currently ride a 99 speed triple appropriately named Old Smokey, and she leaks oil as well. (laughs) My big question is I am at a loss on a new bike. Okay. The two I am stuck on is a Triumph Thunderbird Storm slash Commander or a Vulcan Nomad. Both are 1700 cc. The Triumph is a bit lighter with more power, and I love Triumphs, but the Kawasaki is possibly more reliable with less Mm -hmm. maintenance. Would love to hear the opinions of the Misfits. Wanting to do longer rides on a bike that's more comfy. Love the podcast. Keep up the amazing content. Cheers, Stephen from Oregon. P.S. Naked Jim. I'd like to hear one more on the new bike. Might switch to a sport tour if I can get my hands on one test ride. Oh, I mean, sport tours are nice. Because they'll they'll do all the things you want them to do. They'll go long distance, but they're also really fun and comfortable to sit on. I mean, you're talking about seventeen hundred cc, even like a Vulcan Nomad. It's a lot of power, but um, you're not getting the same handling and performance or braking. Yeah. Um, I mean, big bikes are fun for cruising. Sport tour, though, it's going to give you the feelies and let you do some a little more right. stupid stuff. But it also depends on the roads. I know, like, when I lived in Georgia, I mean, we had to travel a while to get up to go, you know, up into the mountains and ride the dragon, stuff like that. But a lot of the just leaving Atlanta and just riding – through Alabama or some of the farmland, a big cruiser was just so nice. It's comfortable and it's relaxing and you're going for a cruise. It really depends, I think, a lot on the roads. Now, between the Triumph and the Vulcan, my first instinct is whichever you can get for the right price because it's hard to get bikes right now. If, But, yeah, if I think if reliability is what you want, Vulcan, and they're, they're good-looking bikes. Yeah. But... I think everyone should have a Triumph once in their life. It's like you should have a Ducati once in your life. You've done that, Craig. <laughs> You've made that mistake just like I have. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, there's, there's a lot of things you should have. You should have a Harley once in your life. There's a lot of things you need to check off that list. Yeah. If this is your chance to get a Triumph and check that off the list, go for it. I think that the Vulcan, I mean, if this is going to be your um, daily commute, or you know, back and forth, and you're just going to put high miles on it, I would get the Vulcan. But if you want something that's got a little more flair that old men will talk to you at the gas station, I think it's going to be the Triumph. What do you guys think? Well, you know, and I, I would kind of stick with the Triumph, too. Like, it's it's a quirky bike. It, it can be a quirky bike. Mm-hmm. You know, the Kawasaki, it's never going to stop. It's, it's very reliable. But, like, it's the same thing. Like, it's reliable, but you're never going to have a lot of fun on it. You might you might have fun on it, but like the Triumph, like God, the stories you're gonna get out of a bike like that too, you know. And and again, it's like if you want a bike that's super reliable for the daily commuter, yeah, of course, the Cowie's the way to go. But like, this is your weekend bike, your fun bike. Go for the Triumph. Enjoy yourself. And just remember, my advice is always have more than one bike. That well, that too, yeah. Because you can get the either the Vulcan or the Triumph to be your kind of cruiser, and then get a little. Grom or Navi to be do stupid stuff around the neighborhood and then get a sport bike. I mean, get them all. Try them all. 
but um, I don't know. I don't know why. I think the Vulcan is safe, but I don't think safe is the way to go right now. I think fun is. What do you think? Well, you have to ask yourself, do you have an amazing British mechanic yeah, in the yeah. general <laughs> vicinity? Because we know we do or here. are you willing to risk it all and do it yourself? Like, that, yeah. is, uh, that is true, too. Uh, my, my first inclination, I think I'm with you guys, is, is get the triumph. Yeah. Um, that British soul is hard to beat. There you go. Yeah. I think we're in agreement. It's the triumph. All right, we have time for one more email. Bagel, you got a long one there, so see if you can paraphrase it a little bit. All right. <clears throat> I got an email here from uh, Robert Taylor. <laughs> Robert writes, hey there, misfits. Robert from Florida here. Hey, Florida. Give a story and a warning about the Royal Enfield 650 bikes. Ooh. I Do bought tell. a 2022 model late last year, and overall it's been a great bike. Mm. However, a few months ago I started having an intermittent issue where it would start having trouble starting. Hmm. The engine would run, but the engine would turn, but no ignition. I was a bad boy and just put up with it for a while, <laughs> right up until the bad engine boy. cut out mid-ride one day. Ooh. So it turns out the fuel pump relay was absolutely smothered in dielectric grease Ooh. from the factory. The dealer cleaned it up under warranty, and it rode as good as new afterwards until this past week. So I pulled the relay, reseated it, and the bike started right up. Went for a test ride around the neighborhood, and it lost power again midway through. And I had to had to had to walk of shame it back home. <clears throat> Never fun. We were planning to take my friend's '86 BMW to the same dealer that morning, so I brought all four relays with me. Dealer tested them to a bad, likely from the extra resistance from the grease over the past year. They set me up with replacements under the warranty. When I got home, I went in for a thorough cleaning of the other two relays and all four receptacles, and that seems to have solved the problem. Hmm. Anyway, I wanted to give a heads up to any new owners of the Interceptor 650 or Continental GT. You might want to do a preemptive check of the four relays under the left side panel and see if they're gummed up. It might save you some headache in the future. Also, shout-outs to BMW Motorcycles of Jacksonville for the fast and friendly service. They ain't cheap, but they get shit done. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. He is in state riding, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Beautiful. Word. That's Thanks, a Rob. good heads up. Uh, that sucks. It just that little relay can it impair everything. Jack, you're yeah. seeing up hard. Um, I, you know, I've been having trouble with my KTM 990 for a while with it randomly kind of cutting out. And um, when it was happening... It, there was a clicking under the seat, so I opened it up, and Emma, there were two relays there, and she just swapped them. Yeah. And now the problem stopped. They were the hmm. same relay doing two different functions. Right. One of them, I don't know what function it was in the system, but it was going bad, and now it's not bad wherever it's working now. <laughs> That's I don't know what it's Emma doing. Black magic. It might have been the kind of load or something. But, or it could have just been a bad connection, a little corrosion in there. I don't know. But, know and swapping well, it out, and, clear and, that and, out. And relays can fail, too. Oh, I mean, and, and with yeah. the KTM, I'm like, oh, this is going to be expensive. I was getting ready right. to take that's it to the, the shop. That's the risk. Go through the whole system again. And fortunately, I got it to do it while Emma was there. And we heard the click and identified. I put my finger on it as this. She just swapped it. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. 
Yep. So stupid relays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I wanted to thank you guys for being stunt misfits and filling in. John's at a wedding. Emma's eyeballs falling apart. <laughs> Jim's out dirt biking or in Hawaii or I don't know where he is. Somewhere in the desert um, naked. And then sure. next week, you guys are going to be out riding again. Is John? Are you going to have John back in time for the podcast next week? Uh, I'll do my best, but no promises. No promises. <laughs> All I know is you got to bury your poop, so I'm out. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of party, honestly. Uh, but you know what? Yeah, well, but you know what fun. kind of party? Uh, Craig said next year I'm coming to Vintage Days. Yeah, I'm like I don't. Oh yeah, I don't That's know if you can handle it, dude. I don't <laughs> know. Prepare. You, it remains to be seen. Can you handle getting your ass kicked by a nine year old girl on the barrel racing? I think my ego needs it. I I I, I would seek it good out. Good point. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> well, I'll certainly have that. Benelli with the sidecar ready for next year. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> nice. <sighs> um, big thanks to all of our Patreon subscribers. Um, couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, put it in your calendars. December 3rd, 500th episode. Come to California. We are going to have a party at Moto Tablet Museum and, and a group ride during the day. I hope you guys will all be here for that. We'll all gather here at the garage and then ride up to the museum party nice. and a live Woo-hoo. podcast with a special guest and uh, it's going to be awesome <clears throat> um and uh just thanks to all of our listeners for hanging in there all these years when he says he's at, what, he's going backwards to two what's wrong with well yeah you're right don't listen to one 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 was really bad you know for comparison just to see what the humble beginnings were I, like. all empires are built one brick you know, on the first one, I introduced us as motorcycles and mechanics because we hadn't settled on a name yet. <laughs> and it was me, me and Megan and Zoe sitting around one microphone in the garage while all the guys were working on bikes and ignoring us. So people are coming yeah. in and getting tools and like didn't Making know what noise. the heck we were doing. But it's fun just to see what where you know where we started. Um so yeah, thank you guys. You'll be here next week. I'll try Craig, to be, yes. You are yeah. Always welcome to be here because thank you, thank you. my pleasure. I do want to get you back because I want to get stories out of you. I, I want to get those. Uh, yeah, writing school stories. <laughs> so many questions. But for now, I think we need to uh wait for motorcycle wars to come out. It sounds pretty I'm cool. I'm excited about motorcycle yeah. wars for sure. Well, I'm excited too yeah. that Jerry seems like a biker first. He's yeah. putting his passion mm-hmm. into his two passions together, filmmaking uh, and, 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 and and a love for racing. Too. But I do beg. Yeah. Let's stay on him. I want to see the scooters out there because scooter yeah. racing is fun to watch. Oh, I'm definitely looking up Vespa Cross now. That, oh, you that, haven't seen it? Oh, no, I have not. Oh, dude. It's so cool. It's great. Well, okay. I think we're ready to gather out of here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Liza. And this is Craig. And this is Patrick. Mm, bagel. And we are out of here. Cool. Bye-bye. Cool. Bye.